Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. From New York and Indianapolis, Outkick 360 rolls on Wednesday edition. Hope everyone's having a great afternoon wherever you're taking in the show, streaming, listening across uh, the great radio partners with the Outkick Network and more. Um, If you missed our conversations earlier, Paul's chat with Sarah Walsh, yesterday's chat with Arthur Smith, the head coach of the Falcons, um, our chat with Dan Dockich, and much more. It's all available on podcast or on Twitter and Instagram. You can go back and find links there and download the audio wherever you find your audio. Just search out Outkick 360, and we hope you'll like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Ring that bell, uh, and you can see interviews and other content posted there on a daily basis. PK is in Indy at the NFL Combine. Paul, we, we briefly discussed Matt Corral and uh, him speaking to uh, the, the media there at the Combine. Of course, not working out, uh, but good news for him that he's on schedule with, and really ahead of schedule, according to him. I'm, I'm not sure if anyone would admit they're behind schedule at this point with injury rehab. But that's important for him if he's going to be the first quarterback taken. Yeah, I I rarely hear anything. I mean, it's not just been here about him being at the top of the list. Uh, I don't don't know about you guys, but it seems like right now most people regard uh, Pickett as as the top guy uh, at the top of the list. I, I didn't really hear much of Corral today, I have to say, because he speaks very quietly. Mm-hmm. He had a big crowd, and his speakers were not uh, anything special. I don't know if they were any different or any uh, louder or quieter than anybody else's, but it was very hard to hear him in the setting here if you weren't particularly close to him, and I was not particularly close to him. So I got the same sense of what uh, what you did. He revisited um, his his willingness to play in that uh, in that bowl game and how much it meant to him and how much it meant to his team. And he wanted to be there for the guys that uh, had gotten him as, as far as as uh, as they did, um, and he didn't have any regrets uh, about that. Uh, admirable, of course. Uh, other people would would go and point you to guys who played for the SEC championship and the national championship. Um, who would likely never bow out and show you the torn ACLs that we were just talking about with Mechie and Jameson Williams. Yeah, Williams is another example of a guy who says he's ahead of schedule, and he very well may be. But that, to me, a guy saying that is not a massive headline because you're not going to say anything but that. And, and, And the medical evaluations that go on this week will determine all of that. But he seemed upbeat in his answer about being six or seven weeks removed from ACL surgery from the national title game where he tore his ACL. And um, he said, uh, I mean, I was hearing five to seven months to recover, but I'm hearing I'm ahead of schedule. 
hopefully things keep going on track and we'll be back as soon as possible. That's great news for him if he wants to have an impact in September or October of the rookie season. I think five months sounds, uh, and I haven't, I've not been counting how fast receivers come back, but five months for a receiver, a rookie receiver coming into the league seems to me to be very fast. We talked about Jeffrey Simmons of the Titans. He tore his ACL in February during combine prep, actually. So he would have been a month later, and he missed six weeks of, um, of the Titans, of his rookie season. And he's a guy that's moving in, in a phone booth rather than running long routes and making short cuts, uh, sharp cuts. So, uh, uh, look, you, you know, that, that clock, um, guys are going to talk about how fast it's going to be. It's funny, uh, I, I, I'm writing a little bit about it, and we're re- revisiting it from earlier. Mechie says, I don't think it'll affect my draft status at all. And Williams says, I don't know, I'm just hoping to get drafted. <laughs> you know, as if like, well, you know, if I, fall to the, if I fall to the fifth round, I fall to the fifth round, which we know is not happening. But it's funny, you know, two guys who are rehabbing together are teammates pretty close, how they say completely different things about it. Coming up, we'll hear from uh, head coach Mike Vrabel of the Tennessee Titans. He's going to sit down with Paul. That's in roughly 20 minutes. Looking forward to that visit. We heard earlier in the show, we began the show by discussing uh, John Robinson and his emotional response to a question um, about what he could have done better personally for the team this past season, the season that ended in the, in the playoffs, the divisional round, where they fell to the Cincinnati Bengals. Beyond that, uh, Paul, you, you caught up with him and, and others did as well. He was asked about, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear from him right now, asked about the restructuring of contracts. They've got some, some money up front on that offensive line that's going to be intriguing to see how they choose to keep or maneuver and move around in order to make room for new players or re-signs or whatever they want to do extinction-wise. They, they've got some, some money to play around with, especially, I think, on the offensive line where they can restructure money or um, discussing the process of voidable years if they sign players. Here's Robinson from earlier today. Yeah, that's a great question, Paul. That's really the battle that we that you kind of wage when you're looking at salary cap management and how you're going to, you know, what the t- the next year team is going to look like. You know, those voidable years it gets you under uh, for the current year, but the following year you're going to have to kind of pay the piper on those. So we're working through those, you know, through those scenarios with a couple of different players, uh, with a couple of different positions, and trying to determine, you know, what does and you can't really forecast the cap. You know, you would think that the caps going to go up you know maybe next year you don't know what that's going to be but is it going to go up up enough to maybe absorb some of that money that you're pushing out or are you going to have to make the hard decisions you know and maybe move on do you think he's is julio jones a part of that discussion paul that in where he's saying you have to make some hard decisions and maybe move on what what sense do you get on the big money contracts of this roster yeah i look uh, I mean, you guys know where I am on Julio Jones. Sure. I don't think he qualifies as a hard decision. I, <laughs> you designate him as a June 1st uh, cut, and you save $9.6 million, something like that, just under $10 million. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that played nine out of 17 games. And, uh, you know, he had one giant game in Seattle. Outside of that, you know, his quote-unquote big games were in the 60-yard department. 
I think you can get 60 yards um, out of out of guys who are much less expensive and much more dependable than a 33-year-old Julio Jones. Uh, I mean, the Colts are talking about potentially uh, chalking up the Carson Wentz deal as a loss, and then that was much more expensive than this, and obviously a different position. But I, I, I think you got to chalk up Julio Jones as a loss. It was a go-for-it move. It didn't work out. You got to get more dependable at wide receiver two opposite A.J. Brown for Ryan Tannehill's sake, for A.J. Brown's sake. Um, and then I don't know if you go back to more of a too tight set. I, th- I think Tim Kelly leans that way. Yes. Uh, and this team needs to be restocked, restocked with tight ends, either through the draft, uh, probably through a combination of the draft and free agency. But. Um, you know, Bud Dupree is a guy that can be restructured pretty easily. He didn't have a giant bonus um, that that follows him now um, uh, through through each year of uh, remaining year of his contract. They could restructure him and and save some money. Cunningham as well. I'd be reluctant well. to do it with somebody like Kevin Byard. Yeah, Cunningham. Absolutely, they can do it with. I'd I'd be reluctant to do it with somebody like Kevin Byard, who's already done it once. So his cap numbers going forward are big. You do it again, they get very, very big. That's what I'd stay away from. Do you think they did they restructure the offensive linemen who, if they cut, they save a ton of money on? Or do, like with Saffold and Lawan, are they restructuring those guys, or is that the difficult decision he's alluding to, where you have to move on from a player because you save money by doing so? I think that's part of the difficult decision. Yeah. Uh, I think it's hard to keep. I, I think that Saffold and Lawan, uh, there's a decision to be made there uh, with regards to money. And the prevailing opinion amongst those of us that look at it closely and over and over and, and look at the injury stuff, um, you know, Jack Conklin, second year after ACL, was excellent. There's potential for that from Luan. I think you'd really be kicking yourself over that. Yep. And that's an injury you recover from, right? Tons of guys in the league are playing with repaired ACLs. Roger Saffold's shoulder is a perpetual issue. Um, a perpetual issue that drops him out of the lineup, has him not finish games. He can get to a certain point health, right? And then it happens again, and he drops back and has to rebuild it. Um, and that's part of the reason why, while he still qualifies as an elite run blocker, his pass protection has really dropped off. That's part of what being great around Ryan Tannehill means, I think. And as much as you'd hate to give up on Roger Saffold, you could save a ton of money there. Conceivably, you could go with Aaron Brewer there for a while, though he lacks the physical stature you'd like. Uh, I, they're very pleased with what they've gotten out of him when they've played. Um, or, or you can you can find a guard, which is easier to do than finding a left tackle. Did you and mention Raiden? That's a decision that may be coming. Yeah, or, or Raiden's is a possibility uh, there. I didn't mention him. You know why I didn't mention him? Because jo- uh, Mike Vrabel asked today if he could start. Raiden's oh. could start right now. He said no. <laughs> Again, he said no. Now he, he didn't eliminate that. He didn't eliminate the fact that he could start after a training camp, but. Uh, Today, if the Titans were fielding a team to play today, he again said that Dylan Radens, I like your laughter, could not start. Um, I'm also laughing. Uh, I just read through uh, during the last break. Tom Brady has answered a question about his future. If you guys would like to hear Uh-oh. his response, oh, his, yeah. 
his response slash non-response. Can't get enough um, of Tom Brady responses. And I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm interested in this podcast now because it's uh, Fred Couples uh, on Sirius XM. He's got a radio show and a podcast, and Brady was a guest of his. And Couples said, maybe you can tell us where you're going. That was the lead-in. And Brady laughs and says, quote, I'll tell you, I, I wish I had a clear vision of what the future holds. But I think for me, there's a lot of great things and a lot of great opportunities that I know I said right after football season, I was looking forward to spending time with my family. And I've done that these last five weeks. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking that that's a, he's checking that off the box. Yeah. And he goes, five weeks were great. He great got family five time. Weeks in. Uh, five yeah. weeks in, I'm ready for and football. I'm ready to go back to work. Uh, Sorry, honey, family like time dads. is over. <laughs> so I'm going to pick up here. He says, and I know there's yeah. going to be a lot more of that too. So, you know, I like staying busy. That's for sure. I played a little bit of golf. And I'm actually going to see my parents tonight, which will be a real highlight for me on their turf. I'll be sleeping in the same bed I slept in when I was a kid. I don't even know if my mom knows I'm coming home yet. So it's just between my dad and I, and it's a little bit of a surprise. So looking forward to that, looking forward to some golf the next few days and some more family time, and then we'll figure out where we go from there. That does not sound like a quarterback who is retired. That sounds like a quarterback who is not going to go to off-season um, work with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and, Paul, I've still got the 100 that you paid me. I may be handing that back to you soon if uh, another team trades for his rights and Aaron Rodgers re-signs with the Packers. Well, no, I said he'd be with the Bucks. So if he's not with the Bucks, you still get to oh, okay. keep it. But, listen, I, I like family time, too. But at a certain point... Uh, the kid goes back to school and dad looks for something to, to do. Now, maybe it's golf all the time or maybe it's work, but well, he's got businesses, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, Chad, you've got, you've got kids. I mean, you love your kids, but you're not looking to be with them 24 seven. Look, f- five um, weeks is more than enough, right? More than enough time. The, to, the to way be he phrased that got me going. Cause he was I mean, like, he was like, I, you know, I'm I look forward honestly. to spending time with my family and I've done that. I've done that. <laughs> That that part yeah, of my I've life is that. over. I've, I've done that. <laughs> Tom Brady just yeah, announced in the world. I'm going to play that, some golf with the, my dad. The family time portion of my life is now over. It is concluded <laughs> after these last five weeks, and it was terrific. And I'm ready to move on to other things right. now. Um, I don't now, read into it the same upward. way as you, Hutton, with that. Uh, I I hear it more as a guy saying, "This is what I'm doing in the immediate future, post playing career, and I'll figure out what I'm doing okay. next after that." Um, but I can see how you would take it that way because it's very open-ended on, well, we'll figure things out once I'm done you know, spending time with Ma and Pa at my home. Then we'll go from there. It's just well, very clearly, like with, with Paul. Clearly with your... his mom doesn't listen to this podcast because <laughs> oh, yeah. he's, he's blowing the surprise that he's coming home. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's, you're in Indy. I'll tie it into Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck retires. Everyone knows he's not coming back, right? It's just definitive. There are quarterbacks who have stepped away, and you know they're done. Um, and while I'm not trying to compare this to Brett Favre, I, I just, I mean, the tone after the season with Brady alluded to the fact that he was going to step away from the game. And, in fact, he did. But do we really feel like Tom Brady doesn't end up, like, there was no press conference, there was no finality to it, it was just a quick statement that we overanalyzed. Uh, to me, that was that was odd. This was not the send-off that I was expecting for him, and maybe he doesn't want it, but at least you, you take some questions at the end of your career and look back on things that you've told people you're going to look back on after your career. If you're retiring, your career's over, and you, you have a chance to do that. I don't know if you agree or not, 
But the fact that there was no presser and there's been no, you know, sit down, like, here's why I'm doing it kind of thing, I, I'm intrigued to find out where he's going to be playing next. Well, you want him to slam the door, but if he's not ready to slam the door, we'd kill him if he slammed the door and came <laughs> yeah. back. And he's a smart guy. Um, another smart guy is Mike Vrabel. He knows Brady well. Um, he's about to walk over and join Paul at the broadcast site in Indy. Looking forward uh, to that chat. Um, Chad, we're looking forward to more events here in New York with Barrett Sports Media and some of the other events going on here at the Summit this yeah, weekend. Yeah, it's, it's off to a great start. Uh, ran over to the Summit earlier today also. Had the welcome party last night that was sponsored by Outkick 360. Uh, really cool you know, meeting a lot of people that are trying to get better at their craft. I mean, that's why people are here. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and there's a lot more fun to come. Mike Vrabel is next. He joins Outkick 360 and Paul at the NFL Combine on the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. From New York, Hutton with you. Withrow as well. Glad you're with us across the OutKick Network for OutKick 360. Uh, we've got a UFC pay-per-view coming up this weekend and a great offer for you with FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash OK360 is the website. FanDuel.com slash OK360 um, new users, you bet $5 to win 150 on either fighter to win the main event of UFC 272 this weekend. Colby Covington, he's a fairly large favorite against Jorge Masvidal. Uh, Covington's minus 340, and you can get him at plus 3,000. 30 to 1 odds on this offer from FanDuel if you're a first-time user. It's available wherever FanDuel uh, operates in those legal states. Um, and including many of states across the Outkick network. UFC, you bet five, you win 150 on either fighter to win. That's 30 to 1 odds on Covington or Masvidal. All you do is go to fanduel.com slash OK360 and sign up and just make that your first bet. Opt in and make that your first bet. This bet pays cash money. Bet five to win 150 in cash. That's not coming back in site credit. So here in New York... We're meeting with some, some radio partners and others. Paul's been holding it down and doing great work in Indianapolis. 
uh, covering the NFL Combine. We heard from Arthur Smith yesterday, former Titans offensive coordinator, is now the Falcons head coach. If you missed that, you can go back to the podcast or YouTube channel, search out Outkick 360. You can hear that chat. Sarah Walsh joined us earlier today. Um, and many others uh, scheduled for the remainder of the week. And sitting down with Paul right now at his broadcast site on Radio Row at the NFL Combine, here's Paul and Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. Of you to set aside some time. Absolutely. Doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me, Paul. I'm well. Um, after a year missing a combine, does it make you appreciate this uh, more? I think what, it, you're so hands-on? what I think it makes me appreciate is how much goes into this, how much goes into this and how much work that the scouts do to prepare um, the, the, the scheduling and everything that's done here from the combine, um, the, the media, the fans. I'm excited to see the fans get back and be, in, be involved in, in these guys and working out. What uh, I know, they're, they're contemplating moving this thing. <clears throat> Virtually every person who's ever been to one of these says that it can't be more well packaged than it is in Indianapolis. Are you among those people? I, I would imagine that it would be hard to have everything in, within proximity. Um, again, just from my schedule, I don't deal with the MRIs and the, the right. medical uh, checks and the different things that they go through. But as far as my schedule from the hotel to the meetings that I have to the, to the dome uh, where, where those interviews take place and the workouts take place, I, I can't imagine that there's anything that's better. It, it may be equal to, but I would imagine it'd be hard to be better. So you answered some questions earlier today about Tim Kelly, who you've brought on board as an assistant on offense, and you've compared him a couple times to Jim Schwartz kind of as a parallel role on offense to what Schwartz does on defense. I, I wanted to clarify a little bit because I think the difference to, to most of us is the title. And you've downplayed titles in the past, but Schwartz has a very generic title and Kelly has a very specific title in passing game coordinator. And I think that's what we're looking at. It seems like Kelly's got a carve out and Schwartz doesn't. At the end of the day, Todd's responsible uh, for everything. Um, that comes from the coaching staff, Tim included. Um, again, there's one person that can say, hey, run this, and that would be me. But there's going to be a collaborative effort, just like there always is. We're excited to add Tim. We're excited to add people that we believe can help us, that don't have agendas, and that are loyal. So that that I, I would like to explain that. That's the process. And it's somebody that, that I think, after watching how it worked with, with Jim and the defense and Shane, I'm excited to, to see how it will work with uh, us on offense. Your contract had a year left, and you got the, the extension from Amy in sync with, with John, which everybody was anticipating. What's that mean for your staff? And uh, do they now have more long-term security in conjunction with yours? You know, I've always felt like I've got a responsibility. Uh, when I went to made the decision to coach in the National Football League, I went to to work for Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans and, and the McNair family. Tyler was able to go through four years of high school in, in Houston. That, that's a big deal. And when, when I left Ohio State, uh, you know, Urban Meyer said, hey, you know, those are decisions that you have to make, but the, there's a lot of turnover in that league. And if you want to move the family around every two years, uh, you know, it's something to consider. And so I don't take that lightly. And 
I, I'm excited that we can be here and that evaluate the staff each and every year and the roles that they have and the input that they have and the, the impact that they make on our players. So I have a responsibility to them, their families and, and their children. And, you know, hopefully we can start to get them back around the building as things with, um, you know, the pandemic and the protocols ease. You know how important that is to me when you guys come and you see the families and the kids out there running around and our players' kids running around. That That's how... I remember it when I played and, and I remember it in, in Houston when the kids were little. So hopefully we can get back to that. We, we believe it's a family atmosphere and uh, that's how we coach and <clears throat> that's what we believe in. So that sounded like if things aren't done, they will be in process for some of those guys. Yeah, those are things that we always do uh, each and every year. We make, uh, we I evaluate, I see what's going on, I make any changes and, you know, but those, uh, I would imagine most of them have... have signed the, their contracts uh, to, to what extent that's you know between john and i and then and the coach to to what the length of those contracts look like but everybody's under most everybody i would say everybody is under contract i don't want to harp on on the past but i want to ask you about one specific play from the cincinnati game that created a giant amount of conversation that i'm sure i and fans who've talked about it don't understand to the degree that we need to understand it the the mike hilton interception on the screen pass or the short pass to the right after the big run play was a lot like a pass that was thrown earlier in the game that was completed that Hilton had a good read on. And so everybody looks at that and says, why would you throw the same pass when Hilton clearly has a recognition of that play and a read on it? So I wanted some clarification on right. why you go back to that's that a, when that, it seems like he's sniffing it out. That's a dual... Um, that is a, as this system develops and people run plays, there's, there's reliefs and, you know, we had a run called and, and when the, the nickel comes, which he did, uh, you know, the quarterback has decisions to make. And, and part of that is the relief to, to throw the, the bubble. And, you know, we have to identify one, what, if we're getting anything out of that, or do we just hand it off and, and say, well, that's into a bad look and you gain two yards, which, Two yards is better than a turnover. Now, we're, we've, we're going to coach Ryan, and, and we've had conversations, and we'll continue to have conversations that you know we have to expect that that those players are going to adjust. The, the, the blitzing nickel is going to work his way back up, and if he sees you pull the ball, and some of them jump, some of them try to match the, their hand, and, and in preparation, ultimately we, we have to throw around it and then expect our receiver you know, to, to block somebody on the edge. So there's a lot going on on that play. You know, would, would I have liked them not to blitz the nickel and us to just to give it and gain three yards, whatever? Yes, obviously. But, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, you know, in protection of the running back, you just want to give the ball to the running back and have the guy have a free shot at him or say that we're going to have a, a read play and the quarterback's going to pull it. But then now the nickel's responsible. So on that particular play, the relief is, you know we're gonna we're gonna throw a bubble, much like much like the entire National Football League and a lot that goes on um, in college and in high school. And so, you know, he made a great play. We we need to do a better job of of making sure that we can throw around him and and avoid the the, the turnover. But it's not something that you can kind of uh, because it's built into stuff. Say, let's not do anything we, where we, that we, comes up we, again. We, 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 we can if we felt like that this was a, was an issue. We could say, you know, we're not getting anything out of there. It's, it's too risky. And, 
you know, if he just comes late, we'll, we'll just, there's a lot of adjustments that we can make. And we would have liked to not throw in the interception. What's your preference for overtime in this big competition committee discussion, your first uh, first time yeah, on competition? Yeah, my preference right now is that I don't have one other than I'm trying to gain a lot of you know information. I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to understand everybody's position and ultimately make the my vote or whatever vote that is uh, with, with the best interest of the National Football League, not just a handful of teams, not just a handful of people but something that's going to apply to the league, that our fans, it's going to make the game better in some manner. So that is my stance right now. I'm going to have obviously one after looking at the, the, the numerous proposals that, that are out there and uh, then continue to have discussions, look at the data and, and look at the reasons why, you know, the, 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 the team that won the coin toss in the postseason for the past 11 years, you know, is 10 and two and, you know, some of those examples they scored on the first possession. Some of those weren't. Some of the ones that they scored on the first possession, there was a 80-yard Tim Tebow touchdown. Right. There was a 75-yard Larry Fitzgerald reception. There was uh, two 35-yard passes from the Seahawks. So I, I like to know the reasons why or what happened, you know. And so um, some of them, there was both teams possessed the ball, and the team that got the coin flip wanted on the, you know, um, their third possession or what would have been the third possession of overtime. So there's a lot of things that go into it, not just, and you know, when you're watching the game that those Twitter is going to have a field day with, you know, the, the Kansas city chiefs and the, and the Patriots played a game similar to the one, the chiefs and the bills did where there was the, the last six possessions of the game all ended in, in scores. So but the way that the trend was going in the game, whoever got the ball first was most likely going to go score a touchdown. It's just a, where it was. Would you be okay with two different things, regular season and postseason? Uh, well, uh, and again, that's and all both. part of the conversation. And that's all part of the conversation. Um, I, I would say that I could to d definitively say that my yeah. vote and what I would like to do would have this, something to be consistent. I would yeah, like I, to I, not I, practice one I thing for the regular that. season and then say, well, for this. So that that's just – that would be for any rule. I would hate to say that we're going to have a rule in the regular season and all of a sudden say this is what we're going to do for the postseason, whether that's overtime, whether that's how we view holding, however we view DPI, everything. I think that, that there needs to be a standard that we practice from the beginning of the season throughout the regular season and then the postseason. I feel like once upon a time it was easier to get to know a free agent. Free agents actually visited places. I imagine you went to New England before you signed there. And and getting to know a veteran player was a big deal before you signed him. Now, that first wave of free agency, nobody visits. Uh, I imagine you're calling friends and, and people who know people. Yeah, you try to gather and information. And you get to know rookies much... better with your 15 minutes and with a day visit. Yeah, I mean, the rookie, you just have more time, you know, because, again, there's a draft. The, the free agency uh, becomes like, a you know, that supermarket sweep. Is it know? riskier? Um I think that it can be done. You know, I think that uh, it can be done in a manner that, um, you know, we're always trying to, to marginalize risk, you know, and try to end all the decisions that we make. So, you know, getting to know the player that we're going to add to our team is critical. And it's never going to be perfect, and it hasn't been perfect. But, but I know that the ones that have stuck around that are part of our core are, are guys that I believe in, that John believes in, and uh, – you know, we're excited to add around them. 
you talked a little bit uh, since the season ended. You talked about wanting to be great around Ryan Tannehill, but conversation hasn't been as much about Ryan elevating people around him. Where's the balance? In yeah, that? and and again, great um, <clears throat> can be personnel or performance. Right? There's certain things that we expect of each and every position um, that you have to do. The technique that we, we, we coach. So when we make mistakes and, and we're not using the technique that we coach, that's easy for me to, to show and use an example. Uh, when we just get beat physically and we're trying to do the technique, like, well, that player is just better. Um, it, is, it is imperative that Ryan and every quarterback that we ever have is, is playing in a manner that's going to make people around them better. I didn't, <clears throat> you know, my comment was just that we have to do things that are expected of us at each and every position. Went through the interceptions, studied the the fumbles that we had, and a lot of and everybody is involved with ball security offensively, uh, and the ability to take care of it. and And Ryan will 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 improve, and he'll work uh, just like everybody else that we have. Last one quickly. You had so many guys fill in so well. We all know about the ninety one, but is there a risk going forward that? Uh, because you had so many guys plug in that way, you kind of, I don't want to say presume, I know you're not going to presume somebody can fill in, but that there, there becomes a, a feeling like, hey, we can handle anything. You know, if we got to go to our third string, whatever, we'll be fine. As opposed to, I don't think that we take of, that. We need our first guy in there. Well, we need, we always need our best players. I mean, we do. And I, and I, I think I understand what you're trying to say. I just think that. You know, I'm not going to panic, and when I don't panic, I don't feel like the, the the coaches panic and the players don't panic. So, you know, we're going to try to find a game plan and get guys ready each and every week. I I, I understand what you're saying that, you know, well, there's a fallback. It's become a comfort. That that don't ever be comfort. We're we're trying to get the best the best players that we can out on the field. Really appreciate you taking yeah, the time. Yeah, thank you. Uh, hope you guys get a lot of productive work done here, and we look forward to meeting this draft class. You got it, man. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Mike Vrabel, Tennessee Titans head coach. Back to you guys. Thank you, Paul. Great chat there with uh, Vrabel as well. Uh, Vrabel runs Indy at the NFL Combine. Is that fair to say, Chad? Yeah. He's sort of the – gets after it. Next to John McClain when he was yeah, there yeah. as the mayor of Indy in the Combine, Mike Vrabel's kind of the vice mayor. Next yeah, to John I mean, McClain. he walks into a place and everyone – Wants to chat. With Everyone him. wants to talk with Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel is such a, a big personality and a large human. So when he <laughs> walks into a room, you know right away that Mike Vrabel is in that room. He's got that sort of presence. And I thought a great chat there with Paul, uh, with with Mike Vrabel, and a lot of detail well, yeah. in the explanation about the Mike Hilton interception, where NFL Films caught him mic'd up, saying if he throws it again, I'm going to pick it, knowing exactly what was happening. Yeah, the ball's coming out. If you get if we get yep. this look, the ball's coming out. Yep, and they they played it perfectly uh, in that moment. But a, a good explanation from Mike Vrabel, where you know he could have given a standard. We're not going to get into strategy and plays and things like that. But I thought gave a very detailed explanation of what happened on that play. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick three sixty. Chat, have you been in the chat room on YouTube? I have been in the chat. Um, you can chat with Chad on the YouTube channel. The chat time. the chat is hopping today. It's uh, pe- people have a lot of thoughts on uh, who the Titans should draft. Got a lot of thoughts on uh, one person was only hearing Paul through one ear, and apparently <laughs> that was just that person. So we solved that little technical glitch with that person's uh, speaker system. So yeah, the 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 chat's all over the place today, Hot. It's like Best Buy over here. You you chat with Chad and he'll 
correct any yeah, issue geek, you may geek have. Geek Squad. Geek yeah, Squad, yeah, yeah that's just, right. I'll, I'll let you know. We'll check back in with Paul and uh, news and notes and observations from the NFL Combine. We talk some Tennessee hoops and much more straight ahead on OutKick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From New York and Indianapolis, Outkick 360 rolls on Wednesday edition. We're going to check in with PK in just a moment. Chad, there's a cool story. Well, it's a, it sucks, but it's a cool story, a feel-good story with uh, Ziegler, Ziegler in, uh, in Knoxville. Uh, terrible house fire with his family, but yeah. people are stepping up to support him. So, Zakai Ziegler, last night during the uh, SEC Network broadcast of the Tennessee-Georgia game, Tom Hart and Dane Bradshaw told the story of Zakai Ziegler overnight on Saturday night. His childhood home uh, in New York City uh, burned. It lost everything. I mean, complete loss, everything that he had as a kid. Um, his family, his mom helps as a caretaker for his four-year-old nephew that special needs also. So they lost their home. Uh, Rick Barnes talked about on Sunday, Zakai wasn't himself. He looked tired. Mm-hmm. He said, I've been up since five, until 5 or 6 in the morning because of this. Well, so SEC Network tells a story, and immediately Tennessee fans were wanting to help. They were watching the game. So Tennessee said, hold off. We're going to have an official announcement about an official GoFundMe page tomorrow that the university would, would tweet out. This happened two hours ago, okay? Two hours ago, a little over two hours. They launched the page. They launched the page a little over two hours ago. In two hours... They have raised $170,316 from Tennessee fans and other people. 2,700 donations and counting right now. The goal was 50,000, and they're now at 170,316. And I tweeted this out, and I I knew this was going to happen. I said, this is where the good side of Tennessee fan base is going to show out again. You know, you could talk all you want about, you know, the throwing the, the, uh, the the golf ball at Lane Kiffin and, you know, burning couches and fans when Lane Kiffin, all, all that stuff. But this is where the goodness of that Tennessee fan base really shows. So an awful story that led to a really cool story of a fan base helping out. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. PK has been holding it down in Indianapolis. Uh, great work yesterday and today. Some other great things planned for tomorrow. But, Paul, uh, a great chat there with Vrabel. And in talking with, uh, with him about Ryan Tannehill, um, and you, you've pointed this out well on, on social. Um, he was quick to say, hey, Tannehill, while we need to get players around him, he's also got to make the players around him better. That's a different, that's a different approach from the organization discussing Ryan Tannehill, isn't it? Well, I think both he and John Robinson realized today when they – fielded questions about, hey, what about, you've talked about the team needing to be great around Ryan Tannehill. What about Tannehill elevating the team? I, I, I think almost there were light bulb moments for both of them where they realized, hey, we have pressed one side of that and not really the other. And both um, Robinson in his time with us in the spillover session 
and uh, Vrabel here with me uh, kind of went out of their way to say, yes, yes, that too, that too. Tannehill needs to be better, needs to help people be better more than he was this season. Um, we didn't mean to leave that out. Or, or uh, as we were saying, people needed to be great around him. We weren't saying he doesn't need to elevate um, players around him at the same time. Um, so I think it was kind of a balancing day where they uh, took that scale that seemed to be out of whack and pulled it uh, down to even. You know, he we started the show by discussing Robinson and his reaction, his emotional reaction, uh, to the question of what he could do better going back and looking back at the 2021 season. Um, and I was watching Vrabel listen to you ask the question about the screen that was intercepted by Hilton. And you can tell, like, he's he's replaying that in as you're describing it, and he's still irritated by it. And I thought he'd get a, gr- a great response and answer to you yeah, on it. A lengthy answer, too, Paul. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was important to set it up. Like, hey, I'm yeah. not trying to relive the past here. Here's something that really stuck out to fans and media in the days after that game. And, and we're trying to understand why that play popped up again. And I, I think really if you boil down what he said and what I've gathered from others is, um, you know, it's bad it played out the way it did, but Tannehill's got to throw it around Hilton in, in some way, shape, or form there. Um, and so while it looks really bad because it played out the way it did, a quarterback there needs to drop his arm or loop it over him or do something knowing uh, the second time that, yes, Hilton is going to be there because he was there the first time. And what needs to happen on that play is you need to throw to the vacated space in some way, shape, or form getting uh, uh, around that guy uh, while it might be less than ideal. Do you have any any inkling on positional focus? I know they're looking at everybody, but positional focus where they currently draft late in the first round? Well, I, uh, I, I'm writing what we've been talking about with, uh, with Mechie and Williams' slide potential. I, I think tight ends really got to be something. I, I wasn't able to delve into it much today, but I do think, Hutton, we've talked about this a little bit, that Tim Kelly seems likely to be of influence maybe back towards too tight um, and that as many receivers as they ran through last year – I mean, even uh, if it was just Julio Jones that got hurt, did the Titans have sufficient means to be a three-wide team last year? I think not. Um, And I think maybe this offense, Derrick Henry run offense, the play-action run offense, better served to be more too tight. You don't have to be one or the other, but they were more too tight previously before last year. Last year they went more three-wide and I think they might go back more too tight if they get the personnel they need. Right now they have zero tight. Well, I, I don't know. I don't have the exact numbers on this, but I can tell you this. Um, in 2019 um, and 2020, let me go to 2020, the, the record year with Arthur Smith and that offense, no team in the league ran more too tight than the Tennessee Titans. Tim Kelly in Houston. Yeah, I think it's about 33% for the Titans. Tim Kelly in Houston, over the last five years, their offense has been a top five offense for 12 personnel, too tight in the NFL. So that, that is more in line with what Arthur Smith would be doing. And I, I'm curious about this. I wondered 
uh, and, and I've not been given an answer on this, if this was the plan last year, had, had the Texans allowed them permission to hire Tim Kelly or talk to him, would the plan have been for him to be the quote-unquote passing game coordinator with the idea that Downing is a part of that process as well and essentially what he's doing this year is the run game? Um, and instead, they end up with Downing only. I, I'm curious behind the scenes if the perfect plan would have been these this combination with the pass run and with Kelly running the passing game offense for them. I, well, we may never get that answer, but just by them speaking to him last year or wanting to and being denied, they they were definitely thinking they're along the same path. I I think it would have been offensive coordinator. Um, that was that was my inkling that they they wanted to talk to him um, and 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 bring him in to be uh, yeah. offensive coordinator. And maybe that's uh, kind of what they're but, doing, but, but without question. demoting Downing, right? Yeah, and he made it clear today. Um, you know, we shouldn't read too much into that passing coordinator title. Um, in what he said in his conversations before he came here, and again here. Um, <clears throat> You know, he, he creates these titles, but then he laughs them off at his convenience. Right. Um, but, you know, he's making him very much uh, Jim Schwartz's equal. Well, Jim Schwartz doesn't have any specificity to his title. Tim Kelly does. I have trouble not reading into that. I know you probably do as well. Yeah, he's not a coach um, on the and field. He's going to face that all year. We're, we're going to think that Tim Kelly is, is uh, reading uh, – is – is in control of the passing offense, even though Todd Downing has the more powerful title. But Jim Schwartz has an absolutely non-powerful title. Uh, Jim Schwartz's title, we were told to read into as sounding board for Shane Bowen. Right. This is a much stronger title than that. Well, they'll probably answer questions about Kelly and his impact uh, as a coach. They're, they were deflecting that about Schwartz late in the season. Paul, it was uh, a great work today. <laughs> I got my answer. I got my answer about Schwartz today, actually. Oh, you'll, okay. you'll read it later. But he All offered right. a lot more about what Schwartz did today than he did three months ago when I was asking. We are back at it tomorrow. Armando Salguero uh, will join us. Uh, we will have a lot more coverage from the NFL Combine and from New York. For Paul Koharski and Indy, Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Thanks to the great crew for making it happen. We hope you'll join us tomorrow for OutKick 360 across the OutKick Network.